0: Hello and welcome to this very special episode of Fitness Unfiltered, where we have listener questions. Oh, Mike, how are you? Oh, fine. Dan, how are you?
1: I'm fine. We're like 50. That's 50 consecutive episodes on 50 consecutive weeks, consecutively at 6am, consecutively.
2: That's- oh, I question God. whether it's always been at 6am. I think we've had a couple of delays. Hey, look.
0: Don't it ruin it, Mike.
2: In fact, didn't our first episode take like three days to to turn up? <laughs> we like we like, check out our first episode, everyone, and it wasn't there. You've yeah, well, t- we've t- still t- done fifty weeks, and I
0: think I think fifty oh, weeks is great.
2: I think it's great.
0: great. it's almost a year. I know. Two weeks. Wow. Is that,
2: until we're one year Is it two old. weeks? Yeah. I
0: think we should oh, do that something very <laughs> special for that. <laughs>
2: we should do a very special episode
0: okay well i have the questions because i am the question master and i think it's only right to start with how so this came up a few times actually how did you guys all meet and decide to start such an awesome podcast dan i feel you should tell this story
1: i haven't even seen this as a question who asked this question
0: sc well be actually one of my clients she's called sarah
1: Oh, thank you, Sarah. Uh, it started, well, I I wanted to do a podcast. And I obviously wanted Emma as a guest, but at the time I thought we'd kind of merge health and fitness as one. And uh, I had a conversation with Mike at the time, put this suggestion to him, and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a really good idea. Do you know who would think it would be really good for this? Obviously not getting the hint that I was, I was actually... inferring that it should be him Um, when he did get the hint we decided that we would like Emma to be one of our first guests and Emma was like well I was kind of going to do my own do you fancy doing it as a three and that's where it came from that is the long and short
2: do you remember who I recommended you as to have as a partner I don't I don't either I don't think I actually got that part I thought
0: you were going to have some juicy I was like I didn't know this part no that was
1: going to be really embarrassing because I've totally forgotten if you had did you actually recommend someone
2: no, I don't think I did. I, did I think you. I I think I I think I recommended that you did it with someone else. I was like that's an excellent idea because podcasts are so much better when you do them with other people. Have you got any ideas of who you might do it with?
1: And then I had to send you another message saying yeah. oh, by the way that was you know that was you or suggesting.
2: And then I think my words were me question mark that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah. And
2: then, yeah, because uh, we'll Mike find...
0: doesn't really like speaking, and you know he doesn't often have anything to say. So, it was like the the podcast most... would be ridiculous. It
1: was the the most podcast gave me my voice, ever. Mr. <laughs> it was the...
2: I think it. W- I genuinely had never considered doing a podcast, and um, I never didn't really listen to podcasts, and I think I just I didn't really think at that stage that I i I didn't really think I had anything particular to contribute to a podcast that was about fitness. Now I feel very differently about this, but at the time i just i just didn't I didn't really see it.
0: I think it's quite niche though like we do get on experts who are like i guess in the fitness industry, but like on the cusp of you know and quite a lot of medics or people who have specialist areas and I think that's what makes it in my opinion quite an interesting podcast.
2: Yeah, but well because the thing is there there aren't very many scenarios where we where people get represented between at the interface between health and fitness mm. and health and healthcare. Like there's it's like these two entirely separate industries where you've got healthcare, you've got um like well-being and and health but they're just they don't seem to cross over which is in in my opinion ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and I that's think that's what I'd like to see more of. Get
0: very annoyed at it. Like you'll see people Yeah. the outside yeah. be like look at all this misinformation in the fitness industry and then you're like, okay, well, why don't you come into the fitness industry and tell us how it should be done? Yeah. Or, you know, tell us what we're missing.
1: Which is why we've had such an eclectic range of guests and we cover so much, I'd like to think. Um, and we're not know it all. If we don't know something, we're quite happy to get people that know more than us
0: about it all. yeah, That's kind of what we do, isn't it? Yeah, right, exactly. next question. Um, this is quite a tough one. Where do you see yourself in three years?
2: <laughs>
0: Skip over that one. Okay.
2: <laughs> as a podcast, do you think?
0: Um, I think this was asked actually to you, Mike.
2: Yeah, like I, I, I would really like to think that we will still be working together as Fitness Unfiltered in three years time. Whether we continue to record an episode every single week for three years, I don't know. But I think that we. I think that there's a, a big place for, um, like for in it, kind of in the education realm, almost, in that. I don't know. I don't know. It's a very good question.
0: It but is a good question. I think it could grow in many ways. I mean, ideally, a TV show.
2: Ideally, TV producers. That would be. I awesome. mean, only really because it's such a shame that our faces don't get to be seen
0: i know not enough airtime, really um
1: i I mean i i personally this is just me personally i think this would work great as a youtube just the practicality of it because we're separate parts of the country
0: i think though we do struggle enough with just (laughs) audio (laughs) (laughs) so editing an actual video might require some help but you know if anyone wants to fund that or offer themselves then hey
2: do you think so this is an interesting question that i'm making up on the back of this <laughs> do you think that we would ever get sponsored do you think that's something that we would accept we have
0: finished any if it, it was I? like in part well yeah i think it depends who the sponsor was
1: yeah because that was part of our ethos wasn't it because we have had a s we have had a couple which i won't mention. i think i just, just i think i struggle with influenced it influenced at all or seem to be yeah, I
2: struggle with it a little bit as a concept because I, I sometimes struggle with, with when, like, adverts on podcasts.
0: Mm-hmm. It can um, ruin them.
2: Yeah, but depending on how you do them. We
1: also, we didn't want anyone to question our motives, did we? Like, we had an ulterior yeah. motive and, or agenda. And I think that's, you're I think always at risk of that when you take on a sponsor.
2: Yeah. And actually, it's interesting because this, the podcast's, you know although it's very minimal it costs us money like we don't make any money from the podcast but we don't we're not even cost neutral we we pay a bit extra to to have some sound editing um and that's an interesting concept so in a way you could say that we are very altruistic as a podcast
0: you could shall i ask the next question
1: yeah, Yes. what have we got there
0: pardon sorry
1: please continue
0: Okay, sorry. Um. Uh, I'm just looking for one that I really want to know the answer to. Oh, okay. <laughs> what are the health benefits of cold showers?
2: Hmm. I think it's a bit sketchy. I don't really know. I, I think there, there are is many claims, aren't there? There are. There's. There is. I think there are some long-term benefits but I don't really know what they are or how strong the evidence is. I tell you what, though, I think that sometimes... So I I did cold water showers for a little bit and I just quite liked it. It made me feel like I was doing something and it didn't feel like it was something that was dangerous or harmful. So I wasn't too worried about whether there were any particular benefits to it.
0: Remember when Jamie said it would help his immune system and then he got really, really, really ill for ages?
2: <laughs> I, I don't remember that. Was that remember when he started the cold voice? showers? Oh, yeah, but that was ages after he started cold showers. Yeah, well, was, but it obviously was
0: didn't, like, massively benefit his immune system. It's <laughs> not super Correlation
2: versus causation, Emma. Let's not infer let's not infer Well, causation. yeah,
0: this is true. This is true. Um... I think that, yeah, I don't know how many benefits there are. I've definitely done it mainly to make showers quicker. When I used to train in right. the morning, I would have, like, a cold shower after so that I didn't faff around. And I think it definitely, it was like... so unpleasant. Yeah, well, it wakes you up, doesn't it? Yeah. You're going to, like, spend ages in a cold shower. Yeah. True.
2: Um, yeah really and then do. there
0: is some slight, like potentially it might increase the amount of brown fat you have which is the higher metabolically active fat which actually burns calories because it has more mitochondria in it and that tends to be what hibernating animals have more of or what we have as children which adults don't tend to have because of cloves and central heating etc etc but um, exposure to the cold can stimulate increased brown fat i don't think this is of a magnitude that anyone would <laughs> notice a second cold shower. <laughs> did you
2: look this up or did you know it
0: i just know it huh i
1: was gonna say ironically though um the act of cooling down puts the body into a deeper sleep doesn't it it's better for sleep quality so that can indirectly help. really
0: i think that What? Well, yeah but it's cold what don't you think that would wake you up going for a cold shower at night
1: I don't know Mm. the act of cooling down is supposed to induce a deeper better quality sleep according to Matthew Walker and his sleep research
2: Hmm. because
1: a lot of people associate being hot and having a hot bath to having better sleep quality but it's actually the body's calling down the act of cooling down which deepens your sleep
0: but if you'd just been for a cold shower you would be warming up
1: quite possibly
0: um, which feel... brings us on to another question which i can't find now but it was on sleep basically oh no way it was on oh yeah sleep and recovery that there was no question it just says sleep and recovery
2: um, thoughts? Yes Yeah. that's
0: my answer. Both important yeah <laughs>
1: very <laughs> important it's not a question though is it? It's more like a statement of two words. It,
0: it is It is in fact a statement there was no question mark um, and then it says apologies if you've covered this numerous times already. We did speak about it quite a lot with M- Luke. Luke from Muscle Mentors um, we so if you do want to know more about that I would go back to that podcast um here's a good one best way to move away from counting cows calories and should everyone be looking to move away from that eventually as in should sort of the focus eventually be a more intuitive way of eating
2: i'm definitely the wrong person to answer this question
0: well i don't think i think your experience is quite interesting
2: i think it depends is it there isn't one.
1: Is it what, you, one what you're capable of or what you would eventually like to do? Because I know you, you've suggested in the past that you don't necessarily feel like it's something you can do very well, but I think probably we can all agree that counting calories forever isn't a healthful approach to dieting.
2: Well, I, or just I, I eating. think that it depends on the person. I think it's a, you have to have an individual approach um, and you have to start. I think people have to figure out a little bit of what works for them and, and what's going to work in a way that they want to and achieve what they want to achieve or you know it depends how emotionally attached you are to calorie counting for example if, if you are if you're obsessive over calorie counting and it's affecting your social events and all of those sorts of things then probably not a great thing to be doing if it, it's you feel just very matter-of-fact about it and you don't really ascribe much emotion to food and all of those sorts of things i don't really know then probably you wouldn't even need to calorie count in the first place um
0: yeah i kind of agree so i think my initial gut reaction is like yeah calorie counting is a tool eventually you wouldn't need to do it type thing and like the aim in my head would be to always move away from that into a more like intuitive way of eating um and but that's only from my personal experience. Whereas mm. I, I find counting calories quite restrictive. It puts me in a restrictive mindset. I've only got X amount. It really for me, it, it's like the opposite of eating in a more intuitive way. As in, you're eating to your calorie needs, not necessarily your hunger levels or you well, that, know what you feel like having, etc. But you
1: ignore that, don't
0: you? Yeah, and I, I think it can lead away from that more instinctive way of eating more enjoyable in my opinion way of eating however I think that someone like Mike actually doesn't seem to have negative associations with counting calories and for some people I could see that completely working and I think it's so easy to become like biased from my view I'm like counting calories is restrictive it does make people feel like they're on a diet that they're restricted but for some people it completely doesn't
2: I think, so, so for me, it feels quite liberating. But in some, so because I'm intensely self-reflective about these things, sometimes I just worry that I have Stockholm Syndrome and I feel comfortable counting calories because I feel like I'm safe and I have control. And I don't know that that's necessarily always such a good thing. But what I find really difficult, and this is kind of me being very, very, very open and honest about it, and this is entirely my own experience. Things that make me unhappy also include not looking after myself, not eating well, not exercising well um, and putting on weight and so I have to kind of find a balance between all of those things. So if counting calories might make me a tiny bit unhappy but all of those things also make me unhappy then I sort of I'm sort of stuck in this middle ground where I can't be a hundred percent super happy about everything like you can't do what you want all the time. It's a bit like saying um, uh, I don't want to have to count the amount of money that I'm spending because I really like expensive things. So I should just be able to buy what I want. But you can't. And so... I, yeah, I, think I that, quite
0: like that money analogy, actually.
2: Yeah, but it, I think it lies in balance because some people can. Some people can, you know, not count calories, not put on weight particularly or put on weight to a point where their equilibrium is totally healthy, totally safe and all fine but you know we've all got different i hesitate to call it a set point but we've got kind of different levels of equilibrium as well and and where we will end up if we don't count calories or think about calories
1: um i think it's the the question here counting calories because i think you'll always once you've been through a period of Quantifying your intake, there's, I think, as a subconscious thing, there's always an element of you that is aware of that. You'll always read labels, and yeah. I, I compare it to like, almost like the Matrix. Is like you, you don't, you don't see just food; you actually quantify it to a certain degree to what's on your plate. Mm. But I think I acknowledge the, you know, from a body composition point of view, especially those with a, a history of potentially being overweight, that it is a tool. But I just my personal belief is that as a long term solution. An approach to eating that is
2: not a healthful one. Yeah, I think, and I think there's a difference between calorie counting and calorie awareness. Yes. And you don't have to count calories to count calories, if that makes sense. You don't have to. You don't have to count calories to be in a calorie deficit or to be in a calorie maintenance. Yeah. And certainly, if you took away my fitness pal from me and said, "I'd like you to to eat roughly two thousand calories a day," I don't think I would have. I don't think I'd have difficulty. I know. I know exactly what pattern of eating. Yeah. But I think also if, if that was my challenge and that's what I was trying to do, I think without having my fitness pal to, to be accountable, I would probably end up under eating because I would be trying to make sure that I didn't go over without really actually having a counting episode of it. Like, for example, I, I was just sort of thinking just a minute ago, Oh, I wonder how many calories I've had today. Uh, and I thought probably I'm probably approaching 2000. And it was actually 1300 So, you know, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah, there's lots of things to
1: consider. Yeah, as and well I as think it, it sort of tracking. depends.
0: Yeah, it depends on... Like, I would say tracking is a good thing for someone. Like, Mike, you eat out quite a lot. You've got, yeah. you know, you eat quite varied foods. But a lot of people, like, are eating basically the same thing every day and have, you know, a pretty set routine maybe they change the meat maybe they change the veg that they've got but it's pretty standard like at least monday to friday and i'm like mm. do you really need to be tracking that and is it really you know if it's a stress to you is that a good thing to be doing and you could yeah. probably especially at maintenance levels you could probably just maintain eating in a you know without feeling like you need to track all these things
1: yeah it's very individu- individual. An individual
2: so. approach. So, Dan, when answer. you
0: have a client who has maybe been tracking for a while, got great results, but now they're like, I want to move away from tracking, what sort of approach do you normally take?
1: Uh, periods where they just don't track at all. But that might initially just be, you know, of a weekend, so maybe like Monday. As you said, because we're we're creatures of habit, is that when they've got structure during the week, they do typically stick to the same foods. We won't necessarily count, but then when they are more sociable of a weekend, initially it might be something as simple as track the first part of the day in that, just make sure you hit your protein targets, but then allow a nice or prospective calorie buffer, if you like. So providing the majority of protein targets here, Allow a thousand calories for your meal of, of an evening with a couple of drinks, something like that. And then until you progress that over time, I mean, I'm doing a sixteen week program with a few guys at the moment, and the plan is by Christmas. It's just that they have the whole period off because they've had a, a solid sixteen weeks of tracking everything, allowing for calorie budgets, calorie brackets. Um, so I would I would hope they're all in a better position to totally come away from that over the Christmas period and then checking some benchmark figures, whether that's girth measurements, scale weight, visuals.
2: God,
1: I know. I can't, why did I pick that? Um, come January. <laughs> we don't know. No, come January. I got, actually um, think... Um, they've got the, yeah. the tools to jump back on if they need to or feel they need to. But we're talking yeah. strictly from a body composition point of view here as well. So
0: I think that might be quite a hard time because not only have they just come from 16 weeks of tracking, of having that accountability, et cetera, et cetera, they're then going into the Christmas period, which yeah. as we know is like overindulged central. So I think it, it's a case I know with clients I've worked up with it, of having different ways of being accountable. I like, kind of like what you were saying about, and this is what I often do is like, yeah, we know roughly what you eat during the week. There's no need to track that anymore. Let's move away from that during the week. Now on the weekend, you have X amount of calories over the weekend you can track that and that Well, they were doing that now as well that with
1: way. social stuff that comes up over a weekend, almost allowing for, if they have got a particularly eventful weekend, almost allowing for a calorie buffer, so maybe that they are a little bit more restrictive. But again, this is strictly from a body composition point of view. So it's not strictly tracking for 16 weeks and then nothing at all over Christmas.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I just know that from my clients who, in fact, the person who asked this question was a bit worried you know they've been tracking for about two years and they're worried that if they don't they're just going to go backwards and I'm trying to explain that one that won't happen in two like you've got check-in with me every week what can yeah. you you know if you fall off track if the worst case scenario we go back to tracking and then ease you off again a little bit more slowly that's literally the worst thing that could happen you can't do that much damage in a week especially if you're still being mindful you're still probably eating roughly the same things you're just not putting them in my fitness pal okay here's one for you mike how important is protein not just for satiation but also for health as often it's implied that it's not healthy
2: well it's not not healthy um i don't think anything is inherently not healthy anyway Uh, but protein is very important what about smoking (laughs) yeah okay fine what
1: about heroin?
2: i meant anything <laughs> i think i meant any macronutrient but okay smoking is unhealthy yes um protein is important the its main function is for muscle protein synthesis and for preventing of muscle breakdown as well um, which becomes more important as we get older because maintaining muscle mass um, is healthful um, and yeah so i, I think that protein has this historic idea that it causes problems for the kidneys i think i think that's what most people tend to worry about that um that if you have too much protein your kidneys can't handle it and and um then they struggle but that's not really true it is
1: genuinely a concern if someone's got hereditary kidney issues but if you haven't don't worry about it
2: i think if you if you have kidney disease and you are under a kidney specialist then i think you should always be running any kind of dietary things past your kidney specialist and you probably will have seen a dietitian to advise you on the kinds of the kinds of nutritional concerns that you should have.
0: So to sum um, but- that up, not an issue unless you have kidney problems.
2: Yes. Or I suppose a lot of other, a lot of other problems.
0: Yeah. I think it only really becomes, I'm sorry, what? or a lot of other problems. Like
2: if you've got a lot of problems, then you probably should be you, you could also have kidney problems related to that, so you probably should just be speaking about it to somebody.
0: Right, yeah. If you have problems, see your doctor. But... like if you
2: have if you have multiple medical problems, I mean in in, in the majority of if situa- I'm just trying to say say it in a kind of universal way, which is quite difficult to do, but in the majority of cases I wouldn't have any concerns I can't think of many situations where I would be advising patients to lower the protein in their diet.
0: Yeah, I think the only thing from like I guess a, like a more fitness dieting point of view is that a lot of people go really, really high on protein, and my main concern mm. with that not just cost, but also that they're then not eating enough fats and carbs, or not getting the the benefits of fats and carbs. So they don't have enough sort of variety in their diet. They don't maybe have enough fruit and veg they're not leaving enough calories for whole grains and other good food. So I guess the mm-hmm. the balance would be my concern. Yeah, in yeah.
1: excess, it does lead to um, digestible problems as well, or it can do, but that's very individual. But um, it's also critical, yeah. crucial for immune function as well, which I think a lot of people forget, especially in athletes. Yeah. Um, non-sufficient protein intake in an athlete population can lead to um, the risk of contracting more illness, cold sticking around for mm. longer, etc. But it's regenerative, isn't it? So it's it's hair, skin, nails, it's much more than just muscle protein th- synthesis. Yeah. Very safe. Yeah, but, but I think all well. these
0: things, you know, you need quite minimal protein to manage that. Like, I think some of the recommendations in fitness, especially, are like ridiculously high. What you say to the extent where it, you've already like saturated all of the good responses? Um, to be honest I used to set it at like a 1.6 to 1 point you know or to 2 whatever but now I really set a minimum because most people don't eat enough so with most women that I work with this is a huge generalisation but they'll be set like a minimum of 100 grams of protein and then x amount of calories
2: that's interesting
1: I, I do similar roll One, well, 1. 1.8 per 1.8 grams to two grams per kilo of body weight but then that said that's ideal isn't it it's a massive generalization because for a lot of people they're nowhere near that so anything extra for some people just the fact you're encouraging them to eat more is enough
0: yeah i normally just say like build build each meal around protein and aim for that target and honestly if they're falling at like 90 grams but they're not feeling overly hungry and they're enjoying their diet and they're easily sticking to their calories then i don't stress about it and i think setting that target and i don't know if some people use this as a like a bit of an excuse to go over their calories but sometimes they're like oh well i hadn't hit my protein so i just had to go over my calories to hit my protein and they're like well if fat loss is the goal like you want to get in enough protein but if you're at 90 grams and you've you know hit, you know if you're close enough then in the hierarchy of needs for fat loss you're probably going to want to look at calories first
2: and am i right in thinking that it's actually more important to have regular bursts of protein than it is to have a total number so if you get to the end of your day and you've only had 20 grams of protein having like 70 grams in one go is not going to be as useful as it would have been if you had had
1: it depends it depends what what more the focus is i find so if someone's just purely fat loss then it's an approximate target I give them and providing they hit that across the day but if it's more, which sounds silly, a body composition point of view which is fat loss and muscle retention then I'd suggest the minimum of four feedings and how they split that across those four feedings is, is entirely up to them because this whole six meal a day thing is, we know that's nothing to do with metabolism, it's more to do with muscle protein synthesis but mm-hmm. providing they're hitting a minimum of four feedings, it's not really that important
0: yeah I kind of because some of my advice would go against this like often if people are struggling I might suggest something like intermittent fasting where you know they've obviously got a smaller eating window which might mean that they wouldn't split up into four meals a day and I guess so like if anyone's not really following this the theory behind that is that when you split up your protein into about 20 to 25 grams of protein each meal or each feeding time that maximally stimulates your muscle protein synthesis response. Um, And it takes about two hours for that to drop back to baseline again. And actually it has to drop to baseline again to then be stimulated again. So that's another reason that things like sipping BCAAs all the time is of no benefit because actually even if you keep elevated amino acid levels in your blood, you won't keep elevated muscle protein synthesis levels in your blood. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of where this sort of six meals a day comes from. Um, so, yeah. I, I tend to say, like, you know, it would be good to space out your meals at least two hours in between a meal and hit that protein level. Now, the argument against that is really, would that actually matter? And if adherence is higher on, say, three meals a day spaced a little bit closer together because you're doing intermittent fasting, you're probably going to get better results from that. So, in theory, maybe splitting it up into, you know, in theory, six meals of 25 grams of protein a day would be optimal will that make any real world difference is like i've yet to see evidence to prove that
1: yeah adherence and overall well if it's strictly from a body composition point of view but look at overall caloric intake that's the most important thing really what you do with your protein fats and carbs it's kind of irrelevant if it's purely weight loss fat loss you're focusing on
0: hmm hmm shall i move on to the next question
1: yes Mm mm-hmm
0: Okay, this is quite good, quite deep as well. Are you ready?
1: Deep, I like deep.
0: If you could tell yourself something on day one of your careers, what would it be?
1: Learn everything you possibly can by making
2: the biggest mistakes possible. I wouldn't tell myself that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What would you tell yourself, Mike?
2: I think I would probably have told myself to be a little bit more obstinate in asking for help.
0: Sorry, what does that word mean?
2: like stubborn. So I think sometimes it's it's quite tricky in 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 medicine sometimes when you f- you you often feel a bit like when you don't know how to do something or you need help or advice from senior people that you it's easy to feel like you're bothering them or you're being you're being difficult. Um and I would say I mean but to be honest I never I never really cared that much. I would always ask them anyway and just be quite annoying because i think that's quite important to do that but i would tell myself that that is in fact the right thing to do
1: emma you, did you pause then or were you just staring
0: sorry everyone paused for me <laughs> mike were you were you saying that you would ask for help less
2: no 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 i'd ask for help more oh
0: okay I was thinking and
2: i'd be i'd be un, like more kind of unashamed about it
0: yeah yeah
2: I mean, I probably wouldn't actually ask for help more because I I asked for help anyway. I just felt bad about it. I would say, don't feel bad about it. Just do it.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's often more awkward for the person you're asking that possibly doesn't know the answer.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was there was one moment in my career which where it was really awkward, and I was I was actually I was doing a night shift. I was a really really junior um, doctor and quite new to kind of to to this sort of field of 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 medicine that i was doing at the time and i was working night shifts and i was covering the wards and i was having real difficulties with some really really unwell patients and i kept having to come back to the main kind of base assessment ward to ask my senior doctor questions and i just said i remember saying to something like oh, is it is it always like this because it was my first set of nights and she said something like well, no. She goes, yes, but normally you'd have finished all of this by now and you'd have done this and then you'd be down here helping us with what we've got to do as well. Um, and I was like, oh, so... And I just said, oh, so it's, I'm just rubbish then, am I? Because I was like, don't, don't passive-aggressive me that I'm rubbish by yeah. telling me I'm rubbish without telling me I'm rubbish. If you're going to say I'm rubbish, tell me I'm rubbish. And then she backtracked and felt a bit embarrassed by it. Oh, and then was serious? she like... Yeah, hoping... you
0: should probably be a GP.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, oh, I, was already being a,
2: I was already training to be a GP. I was hoping the end and of that,
1: that story was, and then she said I
2: was rubbish. Yeah, well, pretty much. She didn't have to say it.
1: But we know um. you're not rubbish, Mike.
2: Well, to be honest, th- this is the thing, is that I think sometimes you have to accept that sometimes you are a bit rubbish. And if you are doing a rotation around two years of four-month hospital rotations, where you're never in one job for longer than four months to learn how to do that job, you are always going to be a bit rubbish. You are always going to need help. And there's a difference between being rubbish and and practicing in a rubbish way and being a bit rubbish and accepting that your limitations and saying, I need help with how to do this because I'm new to this and I want to make sure that I give the best care to patients. So I'm going to ask you this question and you're going to have to answer it so that I can do my job properly because I'm not experienced enough to do it unsupervised. That's the yeah, way Yeah, and I think training. given
0: the, like, importance of potentially what those questions could be in, like, a medical setting, probably quite good that you asked the question.
2: Yeah, like, you're asking them because you want to do a good job. Um, and that's quite important. And I think that that's, you know, what, what people have to always try and remember really Um, and that's what I always try and remember now that I'm in a position where people are asking me these sorts of questions I feel very strongly about trying hard not to let them feel like they are giving me difficulty by asking me these questions Mm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah or being patronising Yeah Um, I think mine would be kind of similar in a way not about asking questions but about giving myself like less of a a hard time I think I really struggled with like not knowing exactly what I wanted to do and I always felt like I needed to have a career path and that I should be doing x y and z and I think I did a lot of things to try and prove to myself that I was on a certain path or that that was deemed a success and um, and then yeah I don't know it is hard at times I see some of my mates or like people I know that are a little bit younger sort of going through the same thing after uni just struggling to find their feet and it's so easy to be like it'll come you'll be fine because at the time you're like oh my god i don't know what i'm doing mm. like where is the focus here and i get like my job now was not a job when i left uni you know you sort of just like <laughs> in a way sort of stumble into it and i love what i do now and i wouldn't change it for anything but it, yeah i think it can be hard not having that defined career path and then always mm-hmm. kind of thinking you're a bit of a failure because of that, because you're not doing a grad scheme or you're not doing a PhD, and you're not like the sort of standard markers of success. So yeah, I guess but being I a bit more chilled about at that. The time, and
1: but you know, with experience, obviously you have that resilience as well. Just through going carving your own path, basically finding out the hard way, and I quite like the expression "fail fast." Like, you are going to make mm. loads of mistakes along the way, but providing you make them pick yourself back up quickly, um, a process yeah, and fine over I'm time, not is
0: sure, it. like, this is going to sound like I'm totally, like, bigging myself up here, but I honestly don't know where it came from, but I was rejected from so many PhDs, so many opportunities, so many things, or things that just, like, I started but maybe didn't work out, things like that. But the quickness or, like, the sort of fail-fast, like... The aspect that I turned around so like I would get a rejection from a PhD that I went all the way down to Liverpool to do an interview for the next day and I'd be like distraught for about half an hour and then I was like cool just applying for the next one like mm. I don't know how it happened so quickly a lot of people I think maybe are pissed off for like a week or can't get the motivation up for a whole week before they start applying for the next thing mm. and I think I was just able to deal with that really quickly and just move up like okay this crap thing has happened what what can i do that's gonna like make this better or what's the next thing i can do and put my energy into now but i don't know where that comes from or how you teach it
2: i don't think you can teach that stuff it's life experience Mm. at the end of the day isn't it
0: but at the time i had none
2: well exactly so you've got to you've got to wait until you've got some
0: in it though right shall i find um another question yeah, I'm gonna move on. Those are mostly the ones I was sent. I think. Are you guys gonna go on tour? When are we recording our first pop single?
2: The you... ready I'm for up for that.
0: <laughs> Have you already talked about DOMS? If not, can you?
2: I would like us to answer that question, please, because that's Arabella.
0: Oh, what a lovely name! Yeah, I know. Okay, talk about DOMS, Mike.
2: Um DOMS, for those who don't know, is delayed onset muscle soreness and it's caused by your muscles feeling achy after you exercise. And a Not lot of people it's think caused by. Well, it is soreness. So soreness is caused by achy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but what's causing the achy? That's just a different word for soreness.
2: Tired muscles. Yeah, okay. Um and often it's like you get it if you haven't exercised a particular muscle in a certain way for a little while, you're more likely to get DOMS than if you're exercising it regularly or if you put more load through it, etc. Um, and a lot of people falsely associate DOMS with a more effective workout, don't they? So they think if the, the worse their DOMS are the next day, um, the more they, yeah. you know, the harder they've worked and the more gains that they will be making.
1: Stimulate, not and, annihilate
2: yeah and it's it is it's an interesting one because I, I i get it i think you feel psychologically because you can feel that muscle more the following day you are just constantly reminded that you did a workout it's in the quite last satisfying
0: of days. isn't it you're like yeah, oh exactly. i'm quite sore that's good and i think the two the two main reasons people get doms is one novel exercise so like new exercise stimulus or eccentric loading so like the lowering phase of the weight the muscle lengthening under tension causes more muscle damage can causes more delayed onset muscle soreness and god she's so clever (laughs) shut up and then the third reason I think is under recovery so almost the opposite of what you want and I like I've had that before where I'm like oh I feel really like really quite sore and then you sort of check yourself and you're like have you done new exercise no have you done much like muscle lengthening under tension? No. And then have you been sleeping and recovering well? Also no. So actually probably the DOMS is because you're not recovering very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that wouldn't be obviously something to strive for. But Dan, I'm sure you get this all the time that like clients are like, oh, you know, I don't feel sore after a workout. Does that mean it's not working anymore?
1: Yeah. And I think it's the knock on effect of that as well. So I always use the example of, you know, leg training for example. Is a lot of people get into the head they've got to do this crazy volume because they do go in with that beasting is best mentality, and not that stimulate they do go in to annihilate the muscle. the knock on Yeah, effect but of Dan, is if, if you
0: if, can't sit on, if you can still sit on the <laughs> toilet the next day, you've not trained. Yeah, that but
1: and then you know from, from that, then you look at the knock-on effect of things like knee. You know, you're going to be less active because you are so sore. If you're under recovered, it's going to be a longer time before you can train that muscle group again. And we know that Especially for natural individuals, um, training frequency plays a larger role than actual... And getting total volume across a, a duration rather than a 40-set session every seven days, for example. Um, yeah, and also, arguably
0: over the week you'd probably get more volume anyway if you split yeah, up that session. Yeah, and,
1: and, and more load. And I think also is when you do go in with the attitude is, I'm going to beast this muscle group, is mechanically how much does that break down during that session? And also from a psychological point of view, if you are using legs again for an example, if you go into your workout with the intent of, I don't know, six to eight working sets on your legs, that's easier psychologically to get your head around rather than 40 working sets. And again, mechanically, what breaks down and what, what other muscles are coming into play when you're, you, know, you are focusing on that muscle group. So I think there's, there's lots of things to, to think about there, but in a nutshell, Dobbs isn't necessarily a reflection of an effective workout more often, under recovery, or as you said, new stimulus.
0: do it. Okay, shall shall I do one last question? Yeah,
2: there's There's not.
0: a couple more to go through, but I think I've picked some good ones. So, I like this one, although I do not have an answer yet. But it's, could you all give two unpopular opinions, one fitness-based and one in general?
1: Uh, can I give my one in general, first of all? Yes. I think Harry Potter should have died at the end of the Harry Potter series.
0: <gasps>
1: I just think that Why? would have been the cherry on top. It felt like the right thing to happen. It just didn't. And I'm a massive Harry Potter fan. Yeah, I feel, I feel like he should have gone at the end of the saga.
2: I just don't like it when anyone dies. What about
0: Dobby?
2: Yeah,
1: that was... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That took me some recovery time.
2: I didn't really like Harry Potter, if I'm honest.
0: Oh, that's an that's unpopular quite, opinion. <laughs> that's an
2: unpopular opinion in itself. Yeah. Um,
0: I just didn't think it what was What do you good. think of gilets? I, I like a gilet? I,
2: I think there's an appropriate time and a place for a gilet, and it's about for about three days of the year. And um, it's I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with gilets because when I moved to Chichester, I was like, this place is so weird. Everyone wears gilets. Um and then I felt like it was a bit of a rite of passage when I eventually got my first gilet. And it was actually, my sister bought me a gilet. Stop from, saying she's From well, What is the
1: difference between a gilet <laughs> and a body warm? Is there a difference? It's, it's the same thing. same thing. It's a posh version.
0: It's a middle class version of a, of a body warm. It's the same so thing.
1: You can still get your guns out whilst keeping your body warm kind of autumn time. That's how I'm taking it.
0: Yeah, I think
2: it's when it's just not quite cold enough for a jacket, but it's a bit... Yeah.
1: Unpopular fitness opinion. Do I have one? At the moment, I, I this comes up with us all the time. I, I just have a real problem with self-worth and body image. Mm. Like if you're either talking about self-worth, let's leave out the body comparison because you're making the topic still about body. Mm. That's my unpopular opinion because everyone keeps doing that and I find it quite annoying.
0: Yeah, I think mine at the moment would be that it's like wrong to promote dieting
1: yeah mike
2: i think that people i sort of had this discovery today we need to start looking at people's social media as as what they're posting for themselves often people's posts are really only aimed at themselves and instead of trying to trying to assume that people are trying to appeal to other people or trying to give people stuff we should really only be looking at it at, from our own point of view really because because you can't oh, wait, please everyone what? else
0: like I put a lot of stuff out that I hope would help my clients
2: yeah so I don't mean stuff like that I mean when people are talking about you know like when people post those sorts of pictures where they're like look how comfortable I am with my body. This about when it. I never thought yeah. I'd be comfortable with this and it's yeah and I, I feel like a lot of a lot of people take stuff away from those those sorts of posts for themselves and i think we have to remember that those posts are really for the post and not for the audience and i guess that i guess what i'm saying is we need to recognize the difference between posts that people have post posted for yeah, themselves i think and it's, it's easier to recognize
1: for that difference if the message isn't you should we should and just i do because yeah, when someone exactly. says it's just about them then it's clear well, the intent behind that message is when it's you should do this you should do that or we should that's when it gets confusing alright then alright
0: Mike what what's your general well, unpopular opinion?
2: I think it was Harry Potter oh
0: yeah I
2: generally yeah, I don't, don't like films sure that everyone else likes
1: just out of principle
2: not really out of principle just more like when when I think that everyone thinks something is really cool I just automatically don't like it did you it. like Joker yeah, I thought Joker was magnificent and that's really surprising because I expected to not like it because I didn't like that weird Batman film that had Heath Ledger in it when he.
1: See, that's, that's controversial in yeah. itself because he was a good, very good Joker. But this one was, I agree, magnificent. I very
2: much enjoyed it. This isn't Do... so
0: much an unpopular opinion, but I didn't really watch films.
2: That's fairly unpopular.
0: Yeah, but it's not an opinion. It's just an, no, an act that I do that people probably don't like.
2: It's an unpopular action.
0: Mm.
1: Um, you often favour fruit over cake as well, Emma. That's quite
0: controversial. <laughs> this is very true. But have you seen apples?
2: I had an envy apple today.
1: I'm not saying I don't enjoy fruit. I just, you know, when, when Mike bought those, what were they, those little meringue cakes, and you were like, nah, I'll just have this
2: tangerine.
0: Oh, did I choose a tangerine? That is not like Or a
1: clementine. I don't actually know. What's the difference between a tangerine, a satsuma, and a clementine?
2: No one really knows. I think it's the seeds or something. They're all just
0: like brothers and sisters of the same... Misters. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, can you tell it's very late?
0: Oh it god, I am I feel like we should have made a bigger tired. fuss of this.
1: This is like episode fifty. And no, because know.
0: we can make a huge fuss about fifty-two. Because that's a okay. year. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks. We've got a guest on our next Thanks, one, guys. We? Yeah, we've got Phil.
1: <sighs> yeah. Um, don't reveal that from the... now.
2: People oh, might not
0: know yet. No. Well, they've only
1: got a first name. They can. Also, they they can don't guess.
0: know which Phil. Well,
2: they do because we've had other Phil on already
1: well there there are plenty of fills.
2: there are a few fills in the world i suppose do you know what there isn't a lot of now gary's gary's (laughs) (laughs) gary's yeah
1: gary's in the
0: next 50 years that name will be gone oh thank god no not thank
1: god
2: (laughs) there's some gary's i know that are excellent
1: Um, wow What's our, t- what's our question to see if anyone's made it this far this week?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Candle suggestions. What's your favourite candle? Candle? Yeah. I've what? got really into that's them. A, you,
1: you'll be, that's a serious question as well, isn't it?
0: I know. Do you know what else I have here? Is the number three candle from Aldi, which is meant to smell amazing, but it doesn't really, like... It I don't smells... think
2: scented candles smell. Yeah, that's I what they I mean. Smell it if you it sniff
0: smells... Them. And then you burn it, nay smell.
2: Do you know, the 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 one that was my favourite was the um, Febreze vanilla candle and then they discontinued it.
0: Wow, classy. No. I thought you were going to say like <laughs> a really expensive candle ah. and you're like, no, Febreze, unfortunately, it's been discontinued.
1: <laughs> I, I'm quite um, fond of a cinnamon Yankee candle around Christmas. Oh, I feel Yankee. like Yankee candles
2: are too much. I had a, actually I had a toasted marshmallow Yankee candle, and that was pretty impressive, but it was it was too overpowering.
0: I just quite like the cotton fresh cotton
2: yeah, it's
0: always nice the linen or maybe I'll
2: get a new Yankee candle. this
0: one was a huge mistake gingerbread
2: it? oh.
0: it's very overpowering, yeah, kind of gives you a headache also I bought it from like. A pound stretcher shop. <laughs> yeah, you need the original so Yankee candles. I was
1: going to say, is it not a proper Yankee? That's the problem. No,
0: but do you know what I did save? Probably oh. about £10. Yeah. That's true. And for a product that. that you hate. So, you know, having a headache, paid to have a headache. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think there's like some really deep message behind that as well.
0: Okay, so like, if, anyone's, oh, um, if anyone's got this far, uh, and wants to send us free candles my address, no I'm joking Um, yeah, your favourite candle that's a crap one isn't it
1: that is awful
2: what about the, I, I wanted better. to answer the one about why Mondays are Mondays but I don't know the answer
0: yeah I me mean neither that's James why I didn't question. ask it
1: yeah. um, we'll come back to that one
2: We'll have Maybe to we'll do
1: that. a part two. Oh, I've got one. What was your favourite one-hit wonder of the 90s?
2: Oh gosh, I have so many favourite one-hit wonders of if the 90s. This, if you got this far. Oh, oh
0: if you got this far, uh, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. Post, okay. post an Insta story with your favourite one-hit wonder of the 90s.
0: And a moustache. <laughs> <think> a finger moustache.
1: <laughs> they're just going to get more and more elaborate. They can't and see what you're doing, your though
0: okay well it's a finger moustache although apparently we'll oh dan's got a headband i think we should end okay i'm gonna stop recording
2: okay bye (laughs) and i look forward to seeing everyone's
0: finger moustaches